Okay, good morning church. Come and grab your seats please for those who are grabbing teas and coffees. We're going to make it start about one minute. Uh, please come and squeeze up towards the front and uh, let's fill this place. And uh, I'm just waiting for the guys at the back to sort out a quick technical issue and then we'll make it start straight away. It's good to be in church today. Okay, great. While they sort of the, uh, the issue, uh, on each of your chairs is uh, two new pieces of information um, that I'd love you to fill in. Uh, even if you've given us your details before, due to the GDPR compliance, we've had to get rid of all of uh, people's data, which is totally fine. Uh, so please, would you take a moment to fill in the Connect card with your email address, just so we can keep, we want to be more on it as a church with our information, what's going on, events, uh, gatherings, that kind of stuff. So please fill in and take time to fill in uh, that Connect card, each and every one of us today, if possible, please. And then later on in the offering basket, we'll pop those Connect cards into there. Um, your information will be totally safe. Uh, we're going to put it on the on Church Suite, which is a really well-governed program, um, and then your information card will be discarded of. So no one else will email you or bombard you, but we'd love you for letting. On each of the chairs on the back, there, there's some pens in the, um, in the little wooden piece there, usually one or two or three along, so you can find some, some pens there as well. Are we good at the back, guys? Okay, great. And I just thought, obviously, uh, today being a really important Sunday for us uh, and for England, it would be ideal to start with... <laughs> Come on! Yes! And for those who've been asleep for the last three weeks, we won yesterday. We're in the semi-finals, which is amazing, right? Come on. I'm sure the nation has turned to prayer. We must have. We must have. It's been brilliant. But um, it was a great match, a great match. Keep praying. Uh, so yeah, please take time to fill in those connect cards. Uh, we'd love to give you the information, what's going on, and events, and training. And yes, and so next week uh, is a big week for us. We uh, are going to be uh, dedicating Jemima, and uh, the family have invited like hundreds of people. It's going to be busy, so get here early. Put, um, put your coat on your seat and book your seats nice and early. It's going to be a busy one, but we're going to be welcoming uh, Jemima into the church family and praying for her and just dedicating her before the Lord. But, um, but let's kind of, uh, let's quiet our hearts today. Whether it's been a really busy week for us, whether it's been a quiet week, let's just remind ourselves of why we're here today, that we come to worship God, uh, the God who made us and loves us, that we come to give him our thoughts, our time, our energy, and Lord, as we gather, as we gather as a church family, Father, I pray today that your presence would be here, that each of us would leave knowing you more intimately and personally, that Lord, today we'd encounter you, the real living God, who's got great things in store for all of us. And Father, thank you that we're here with air in our lungs, with clothes on our back, and with the freedom to proclaim your name high. And Lord, I pray for those who've come to church today, who feel tired and exhausted, or there's, just such, uh, there's so many things going on, that Father, today would be such a moment of relief and rest, of energy and input, and that Father, you would inspire us and call us deeper into you. In Jesus' name, the church pray. Amen. Amen. Please, uh, let's take the stand, and as we stand, turn around and say good morning to somebody that you haven't said hello to yet.
Psalm 42 says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember. As I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. I really felt like the Lord gave me Psalm 42 for someone in here. I just had to read it out. If that's you, claim it and um, spend these few moments as we get into God's word. Uh, declaring that over your life. It feels like some moments in church life we, um, we are full of energy and we go for it. And that's right. And it feels like in other moments we, we just need to take a breather. It feels like this morning's a bit of a breather for a few of us in here and that's, that's fine. And we're going to start um, a series called The Jesus Driven Church. Just four weeks before we get into summer and before we all drift off across the globe for a few weeks. But uh, what does the Jesus-driven church look like? I'm guessing we've all been to a couple of churches in our lives. Or we've probably, if this is our first church we've been to, perhaps we've got ideas about what other churches do. For others, we might have been Christians for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And, um, and you know, it's, it's those moments of, um, what do we do? What is church about? We kind of get into the swing of it. Church can become this. Two groups of people fighting over the walls, pink or white. Or shall we change the carpet or shall we not change the carpet? Or do we have this song or that song? Or, oh, she didn't sing my favourite. And it becomes this real requesty thing because a bunch of people who all have opinions, we get together and we like to make our opinions known. But then sometimes you peel back the layers and you think, actually, what does the Bible say that church is? If you peel it back to, to the first Christians, the first disciples, what's the stuff that Jesus modelled? And do we do that now? Have we got off track a little bit? Or are we still on point all these years later? So we're going to go on this, this journey, really, of looking at the Jesus-driven church. Um, and, and just to kind of give us a bit of an overview, and um, we're going to uh, get into something in a moment, but I want to just throw this out. Let's imagine the church as a car. Now, straight away, you're probably thinking a blue car, a red car. Some of us are thinking clapped out bangers. Others are thinking Lamborghini Gallardos. It, you know, all sorts of connotations. It's not a motorbike. It's a car. But, um, but let's, let's imagine this is just an easier analogy. Let's imagine the church as a car. So, I think church is about four things. Uh, it's about all sorts of things. But here's four underpinning values that the Bible teaches us through the book of Matthew that Jesus tells us he wants to see in the church. The church not being a building, the church being me and you. You and I, exactly, the people. So, I think a Jesus-driven church enjoys the ride. So it's about worship. And worship isn't just singing our favorite song. Worship is a lifestyle. We, we get this. We get it. I'm going to delve into this in a bit, so don't panic. It's biblical. So here we go. We drive the car for him. And I know this is kind of freaky, you know, the idea of Jesus being in charge of our lives, that he actually uh, is, is the, the driver and we are the passenger. But actually, let's imagine for this moment we're going to show for Jesus around. So we want him to enjoy all of us. We want to show him the good sides. We want to do it right. We don't want to crash into anybody. We want to live right for him. I know that's a bad one, but the rest get better. Also, here's another one for the teenagers. Uh, a Jesus-driven church, it reproduces. Evangelism. 
So Matthew 28 uh, gives us an insight. I'll get into this again in a second. But what is evangelism? It offers rides to other people. But more than just that, we drive to their house and say, hey, come and hop in. That's evangelism, right? Pretty much in a nutshell. We say, here's the church. This is what we believe. Uh, We want to display this in a way that you can understand. And hopefully you want to get in and come on the journey with us. Am I wrong? Am I right? Also, uh, a Jesus-driven church, uh, the third factor is it has a plan of care for all. We call this ministry. But pretty much, we, when people get into our car, we say, do you want the aircon on or off? Do you want the seat to recline or do you want it forward a little bit? Uh, what song do you want on the radio? Or do you want t- t- is TFM still a radio station? Uh, do you want Galaxy or do you want Radio 1 or whatever else? We kind of give some options because we want to care for people on the journey from A to B. We call that ministry in church. Then the fourth is, and you're going to laugh at this one because it's cheesy as, but we teach the higher way code. Hey! Oh, come on. Come on. It was six o'clock this morning I wrote that. So that's discipleship. So we'll kind of give opportunities in church life in this car to say, hey, there's the signs to look for. There's definitely the signs to watch out for. And almost we begin through the Bible and through as we worship together as a collective, we kind of navigate life. Some people come in totally messed up and do you know what I have been on the high road to heck and then other people are like actually do you know what I just this stuff's gone into my life and I really think when I look at the bible it begins to make sense of the pieces the higher way code we call that discipleship so I've got some a quick game for us to play who's up for a game today come on come on man so I want you to uh, we'll start with one We'll start with this one. I want you to tell me which brand or, um, or item this is. What logo is that? Oh, you guys are too good, man. Who didn't get that? Okay, perfect. That's fine, that's fine, that's fine. You know, we're going quite fast. Levi's. Okay, next one. You guys are too good. Who didn't get that one? Who knows that's synonymous with Asda? Uh, the woman tapping a butt years ago, that's Asda Price. Clever how it sticks in your brain. That must have been 15 years ago, that advert, but it still sticks with you. Okay, next one. I'm enjoying this. If you're wearing one of these, come and see me. We've got a few building projects we want to get off the ground. We'd love to speak to you. Was it you, Sarah, shout out of Rolex? Quality. I love it. Who didn't get that straight away? A few of us. Okay, okay, getting a bit more tricky. Great. Next. You guys are very good. Okay, who didn't get that, honestly? Only a couple of us. Ah, interesting. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Domino's Pizza. Love it. Okay, next one. Toyota. Perfect. Hands up. No idea. That's fine. That's fine. I'm just seeing the same hands raised time and time and time and time and time again. Okay, next one. That was, that was very good. Very fast. I mean, it takes a bit of thinking, doesn't it? British Airways. Who got that? Who didn't get that? Yeah, that one's quite tricky on purpose. British Airways. And the next one? Oh. There was a bit of a pause there. Is it Yakult? Let's reveal. Yes. Well done, you guys. And the next one? What is that one? Is Morrison's? Who's at Morrison's? Okay, show of hands, Morrison's. You guys are, okay, yeah, oh, oh, a few more. Who else, anybody else, anything else? Really? Really? Let's reveal the answer. 
Morrison's. Morrison's. Love it. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Lord, we have an issue. <laughs> That's not even the Morrison's logo, I don't think, is it? <laughs> Isn't it them? Anyway, okay. When some of us think about uh, when some of us think about church, we run to these different ideas, don't we? I was given a quick uh, quick synopsis there of a few different uh, brands that we are familiar with. I could have gone McDonald's. We all would have known that one. Disney almost made the list, but I thought I'd make it a bit more difficult for us. When it comes to our church. What springs to your mind? Give me, I'm sorry, the church, not just our church, because we are following the, the, the Bible on this. Shout out, what do you think of when it comes to church? There's no wrong answers. Well, there are, but we won't tell you. But shout out. Fellowship, great. Worship, was that freedom? Freedom. When it comes to the church, what, what, what does it mean to you? Free coffee. Free coffee. <laughs> Support. Family. What was that, sorry? Fun, yep. Keith, you're in the bad books. I can't really, you know, it's going to take a while to get out of that Morrison's one, I think. <laughs> Fun, family, fellowship, anything else from the back? Unity. Brilliant, yep. Great answer. Anything else? Yep. The Lord, that's just cheating. <laughs> but a great answer, yeah, absolutely. Jesus driven church. I wanted to give these uh, pictures and also some of our words just to see what matches up. Uh, because actually, when we think about the local church, some of us uh, are kind of confused and others have crystal clear views of what we, we think and know. And I think when it comes to our church, when it, when it comes to our logo, what jumps out to you? That was my question for us as a church. Are we communicating what we're about? Because we're about three things. And although I've given an overview, biblically, of the four things that Scripture tells us a church is, we've chopped those down to three because we want to make it simple. And our, our motto and our mandate as a church, as I keep saying, as I think we all believe and hopefully know, is to build our church, reach our community, and to impact our world. So we're looking at ministry evangelism, uh, kind of jumping in. I want the aircon on. I want it off. I want to worship. All of those things fall into that remit for us. Build our church. We're going to reach our community with the good news of Jesus Christ and our communities. And also we want to impact the world. We believe that as God calls people here, they won't be here forever in this physical church building and buildings as we plant new churches and expressions. But actually, people will say, do you know what? I'm going to get married. I'm moving to Japan. I'm, like, I've got a job in, like, I don't know, Manchester. I, I, God's called me there. And that's amazing. So for a while, the stuff that's been deposited into you right now will come out over your life. That's got to be the hope as we build disciples. So I've kind of had this little crazy thing I want to throw out this morning. And the leadership team are going to kill me for, for saying this because they haven't even okayed it yet. But I was kind of thinking this week about Teesside. I had a meeting with someone. You would all know who this person was. And I said, hey, where would you plant a church in Teesside? And they were kind of said, Teesside, such a tricky area to plant churches in. And that's kind of how it went for a bit. And then they kind of stumbled into this like, Ingleby Barwick. And I kind of thought, what a great idea. Ingleby Barwick. What churches are Ingleby Barwick? So I know, obviously, at the moment, and this is kind of feeds into to a, a Jesus-driven church, but already I'm thinking about how do we replicate what God is doing here 
across the Tees Valley. So I'm thinking Ingleby Barwick, how many tens of thousands of people live there? I know there's a couple of great churches already who haven't reached everyone, so there's still scope to do new expressions. And I'm kind of thinking, okay, what about these different areas across our region that God is calling us into? But, 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 when we look at a Jesus-driven church, it's almost like we've got to get this bit right. So there's a, there's a difference. When you build a church, it becomes about structures and people and leadership. When Jesus built his disciples and hung out with the three and the twelve and the, and the different levels of, of groups that followed him, there was definitely structure there, but it seemed easy to move because it was about people and relationships. So I want us to navigate over the next few weeks this idea of what a Jesus-driven church looks like, how we begin to look beyond ourselves and how each of us in this room has to play our part. If we're going to reach Ingleby Barwick and all these other areas and have all of these people come and check church out and, and say yes to Jesus and get into his car and say, yes, Lord, I would love the aircon on, we've got to begin to get this right. So I'll uh, speak more on that later on. So um, are we doing what the local church should be doing? That's my question. Have we deviated from what the disciples and Jesus used to talk about under the stars? Has church become something else, another beast entirely, that just isn't biblical, maybe? Perhaps it is it relevant? Is it full of programs that are just ineffective? I don't know. This is the journey that we're going to go on. But I think there's some real indicators in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, which tell us the heartbeat of Jesus. There's a few things that I do know, and it's this, that I believe in the gathered church. I totally do. When you look at scripture and the Bible, people gathered to go and they go to gather. It's that idea of that yo-yo effect. When we come together, we, we find strength in, in numbers, don't we? Collective worship is amazing. Collective worship says that, that there's a real blessing in it and that the Spirit of God moves. So we believe that when we worship, that we are almost saying to God, God, well not almost, we are. God, we want you to move in our hearts and our lives. You are worth it. You, we want to worship you. Do you know the Bible says that if we didn't worship God, that stones and rocks would? Literally, someone has got to declare the goodness of God on this planet. Because, because he's there and he's, and he's glorious and he's amazing. Actually, if we didn't do it as human beings, the other things would start to pop up. For goodness sake, humans, proclaim how good he is. You know, we've got a job to do and that is worship, our lifestyle, our singing. Our words, our deeds. I believe that, um, that, I believe in worship. I believe that when we worship, God's presence is tangible. Who he wants to, to leave church today thinking, I've heard from God. I've encountered God. I'm ready to go into whatever this week holds for me. I do. That's, that's like my desire every Sunday when I come to church. Sometimes I don't expect that and that's shame on me. But that's got to be a call to, to, to collective worship. And sometimes you meet people who say, I, I just, I'm not about the collective thing. I, I'm, I just, for me, it's, it's just my front room. And I'll survive for 70 years on the front room, just me and the Bible. I think you miss something. I really do. Because there's something powerful when the saints gather and they worship and declare. And it's biblical. The disciples gathered. Jesus gathered people. I also believe uh, that the church is made up of thirds. What do I mean by that? So in this room today, there'll be a third of you who, hopefully for a healthy church, a third of you who are going for it, crazy, nutty evangelists who are sold out for Jesus Christ. You are all in. You are, you, man, you've got a place in eternity. You are a, a, a disciple. A third of you will be, um, I'm kind of like new to this. I'm like a baby believer. 
I make uh, silly mistakes, but I'm kind of learning. I love Jesus, but my life still reflects the stuff that I used to say and used to do sometimes. We're on a bit of a journey. That's awesome. That is incredible. A healthy church has those people in it. We've all been that. I've been there. And you kind of, as you get into the Bible and into church life, you begin to grow. Um, you guys, I know you don't believe this, but you didn't stay babies forever. You've all matured and, you know, you're adults now. And then the third of you should be people who haven't said yes to Jesus. You're on a journey. That's amazing. And perhaps you've been to church a few times. Something's just grabbed your spirit. Something's made your heart beat a little bit faster. You've been a bit intrigued. You might have even bought a Bible and started to, to do the journey yourself. Incredible. And we want our church to be made up of some of those people as well. It's got to be all three. If we were all believers, there'd be an issue. If we were all people who didn't believe in Jesus, there'd be an issue. It's got to be made up of thirds. So I believe in thirds in the local church. I believe that Jesus Christ died and he rose again. And as he rose again, he called you and I as his church to follow him and also to invite other people into the journey. I know it's so simple, but we've got to cover the basics. Do you believe that? Give me a hand if that's, if that's you as well. Great. Uh, and I believe in the going church, that we gather, awesome, and some churches fall down at this, and we're pretty good, we're pretty good. Some churches gather, and it becomes a spiritual me fest. It becomes a bit of a, just, I, I want to receive from church today, it's all about me. They've got to sing my songs. That preacher better be on point. He's got to challenge me, motivate me. It's, it, I just, for me, it's, I need to feel nurtured and valued. And that's a real danger when it becomes about just me. Because actually none of us like all the songs we sing. None of us like listening to me every single week. None of us like the colour of the carpet. You know, it, 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 it depends. We've all got flavours and tastes. That's okay. Do we believe Jesus Christ died? Yes. Do we believe he rose again? Absolutely. Do we believe he calls all of us to do life together? Yes. The rest can kind of flow from there. And we believe that when we gather and we get that stuff right, that actually we're called to go. Uh, there's a picture in the New Testament, and I think this is a picture of what God calls the church to be. It's in Romans, uh, sorry, it's in John 8, and it's the woman caught in adultery. And you're probably thinking, whoa, 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 Elijah, like, careful here, what do you mean? And I think it's a beautiful story for all of us to listen to and to tune into um, of what the, the church looks like. If you're carrying your Bible today, I want to encourage you to turn to John 8. It will be on the screens as well um, through the verses. But this is a story of Jesus really encountering somebody who was about to be put to death. Killed. Gone. Executed forever. For a deed that she'd been uh, caught up in. And uh, the story says this. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. And the scripture tells us, which is the Bible, that Jesus often hung out, uh, hung out at the temple. He used to teach, and, and the scholars, people who were 20, 30, 40, 50 years older than him would say, wow, his knowledge is amazing. Duh, he was God. But for there, they were like, how does he know so much stuff? Like, he's incredible. So he used to hang out at the temple and used to listen to teaching and also get, uh, get involved himself. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. Pharisees, which were the teachers of the religious law, sometimes get a really bad press. Because we often portray them in a light of that they were always against Jesus. They were nasty, vindictive. They wanted to kill Jesus, and that's true, some of them did. 
And I'm not obviously advocating those guys. But actually, there were people who just wanted to follow the scripture right. Isn't that interesting? They just wanted to follow him right and to live out a life um, that they believe God would call them to do uh, and be. Uh, so they said, uh, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. So Jewish custom, someone was caught in the act of adultery. Get you in the middle, big crowd around you, and throw stones until you bled out and died. You're disgraced. Your family's disgraced, the community, and you were literally cast on the outside. What do you say? Because they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could easily use against him. So Jesus stooped down, and he wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. Come on, Jesus, tell us. What would you say? What would you do? Oh, wise one. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. We've all been through the story 10, 20, 30, 40 times probably in church life. But it's just worth noting that question of what did Jesus write in the sand? It's a question for heaven, right? I wonder what he wrote. Some scholars and Bible believers believe that Jesus uh, began to write down a list of what the other people had been doing and been involved in. So perhaps, you know, those guys stood there with a stone ready to throw, ready to take aim, get the headshot. Suddenly, uh, you know, it was actually, Aaron, I know what you did last night. Awkward. You know, that, that real moment. I wonder what that was. Perhaps he wrote something much more profound that just caused people to be amazed. But what a moment. That frightened woman in the middle of that crowd, knowing she's about to face a brutal death. And Jesus swoops in and starts to write things and takes the tension out of it. You ever been in one of those environments of just complete fear? Do you know what I mean by that? I was at a sports club years ago, a rugby club, and we were celebrating someone's birthday. And suddenly there was this racket. This racket, and these local lads came in. And, and my mates were all big lads. I've always been the scrawniest of the bunch. But my mates were big lads. And as these guys came in, and a couple of them just began having a bit of a fight and a bit of a scuffle. Actually, all of them did. It was brutal. There was chairs, everything. I stepped back. <laughs> I claimed it was because I'm a Christian. I was just, I was frightened. And um, as I stepped back and, and just watched for a second, it happened so fast. But actually, you could sense in a moment, the atmosphere just turned to complete panic. Like fear fear. It was almost people stood there thinking, what do we do? It was weird. I'm guessing for this woman it would have been the same thing. That complete freezing moment. I can't do anything. I'm absolutely trapped in this situation. And Jesus comes in. So they kept demanding an answer and Jesus stood up and said, all right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. That's got to be a picture of the local church. If you peel back the layers, isn't the church... Jesus coming to each of us, and I'm not saying we've all been caught in adultery, but it's, it's humanity realizing that we've done things. That actually there was somebody with a rock who was looking at our foreheads thinking, I'm about to take him. 
I'm going to call you out for eternity and I'm going to say there's no hope over your life. I'm going to take you out. You haven't got a plan. And then suddenly Jesus comes into the picture with his back against us, defending us, saying, actually, I'm going to take it for you. But then through that, three things happened. When we look at this woman's story, and this is the same for all of us and for those who are on a journey in this room today. But that woman, she, became, she was rescued. Would you agree with that? She was definitely rescued. If that's not a rescue, I don't know what is. I mean, she was in a situation, no getting out, and suddenly she was saved. She was rescued, but she was also restored. Where are your accusers? Nowhere, Lord. Then go and sin no more. I mean, just think about like, that moment. She must have thought about that, that, that eye contact with Jesus, and that moment, and that crowd, and that hostility, and that fear, and that, that moment of, wow, I'm free for the rest of her days. She must have. How often do we hark back to those moments with our Saviour and just feel thankful again? I have got a purpose. I have hope for my life. I have the ability to worship. That Even in the worst of circumstances, I know that actually I'm living for eternity. That I've got a relationship with my dad who's watching my back all of the time. That he's got goodness in store for me. That he is the shepherd who looks after me who wants to nurture me. And scripture tells us lots of different describing words for God caring and loving and seeking you and I. She became restored. But then actually, I want to think about that moment of going for her. She definitely must have become a rescuer. And we call rescuers evangelists. Because it means that you begin to share your story. Here's what the Lord's done in my life. And, and, and we look for moments to share that with other people. For some of us, we, just, we, can't, we can't wait to let it out. We've got to tell people. For others, we kind of get choked up on our story and perhaps think it's not relevant. Our stories are so powerful. So powerful. And I think about her story and how she went and shared that. Scripture doesn't really tell us what happened after. I'm guessing, though, she had good news to share. She must have shared the story. There was a crowd there. People saw and were witness to what went on. They must have told the story. You would never guess what happened to her. What about you? Is your life marked by being rescued, by being restored, but then moving on to be a rescuer? For some of us, perhaps we're still in that middle one of, of being restored. We've met Jesus, but have we acknowledged that we've got a story too to share? And that is so powerful. Stories are incredible because they cut through so much ice. Do you ever find that when it comes to sharing your faith, if you ever try and utter a Bible verse, you kind of see people switch off? Because for people, the Bible's a story that looks like it's been made up. When you share your story, even though it's backed by the Bible, it almost validates everything. Because nobody can argue with what you've experienced. It's incredible. Incredible. So I'm thinking about us. As we look at the local church, a Jesus-driven church, that's what we are marked by. And I think there's people in this room today who are sitting in those camps. And perhaps for you, you need rescuing. You're in that place of rescuing. A situation, a circumstance, an emotion, finances, an issue, frustration, a dark pit, you name it, whatever. You need rescuing. For others, we've been rescued. Incredible. We've had that moment. And then for others, we are doing that. We're living that out. We are sharing our faith. We are making disciples. We're inviting people to come and also experience from Jesus. So the church is full of people that were living in rebellion to God. 
and know that when they met Jesus, their lives were forever changed. That's a picture of the local church. A Jesus-driven church. I think the local church as well, although it's those moments of worship, it's always the mundane, isn't it, of just living it out, of saying, I'm going to be involved. I want to challenge each of us, because, man, I want to reach Teesside. I know there's people in here as well who are just busting to, to, you know, do more and see more people come to faith and things happen. And you know what? This place here, we can fill this with two or three services. That's awesome. But we still won't reach all of the people. Because some people won't come to this space. We've got to communicate in another way that, that they know. So I, I'm kind of thinking about how we get to that point. And, and I'm, I'm not sure how we do it apart from each of us has got to commit to playing a part. So I want to challenge some of us today in church to play a tiny part. If your life is chocker and you are so busy, what's the tiniest thing that you can do? Whether it's contributing time, contributing prayer, both, contributing finance, contributing uh, encouragement to other people. Of just saying, hey, I noticed what you did there. That's brilliant. Perhaps some of us could look after some of the toddlers on a Sunday morning. For some of us, we might want to do the sound and visuals. For others, it's open a door. I love meeting people. I want to welcome people. But, but I know church can't be a place where 10 people do the work and 100 get carried. That's not a healthy church model. So I would encourage some of us to, to step up and step in to that space of becoming the church of recognizing that we've been rescued, but equally we've got to begin to rescue. Is that you, Lord? <laughs> you guys are on the right morning, aren't you? Um, <laughs> we need some t-shirts saying Morrison's or M for Messiah, not Morrison's. Um, but I wanted just to kick the start of this series. But I think church is, is um, although it's all of those things, it's moments of encounter. So I want to invite us into a moment of encounter, uh, in, into a moment of uh, seeking him, into a moment of, again, just having time with the Lord. And, um, and as we move into a time of worship again, I don't know where Joe is and the guys, but, um, but let's just be thinking about what church is for us. Do we need to, uh, to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that church has to become about me. I'm sorry for the things where it's about my agenda. Actually, the church is much bigger. The church is your bride. It's holy. It's set apart. That's the church, right? That's what Jesus and who Jesus died for. And I wonder if there's people in this room today who, who have got expressions of church, who want to run with ideas. And perhaps today, for some of us, it's, it's gone on that journey and saying, Lord, you know, what does a church look like in my context? Have you put something in my heart that I know I can gather people and begin to make disciples? There's got to be the gathering and the disciple-making element of church life. That's scripture. But for each of us, why don't we take a moment this morning to have an encounter with Jesus? And Lord, as we just think about how you've called each of us into a relationship with you, and Jesus, for some of it was, a, it was a journey. It was a real journey, a time, a process. It was conversations and pushing doors and chewing things over. And for others, it was a moment, a spark in the darkness, a conversation, an encounter with you.
And Jesus, we thank you for that story of rescue for that woman who was caught in adultery. For the woman who was just caught in that situation where there was no getting out. She was stuffed. She was trapped. And Jesus, you modeled to humanity, each and every one of us, in this room and outside of this room, that you come and take our place. And you encourage us to walk on freely and to sin no more. And Jesus, we want to ask for some bold things as we look at a building your church series and what church is. Lord, we ask that you would bring people into this church, physical building, who don't know you. That Father, there be people who come in, who stumble in, who are dragged in, invited in, whatever reason, who would come and encounter Jesus, who would come and meet with you and be changed forever. Lord, would we never lose the expectation and the wonder of those moments of people encountering you for the first time. And Jesus, if there's someone here today who's never said uh, to you, never invited you into their heart, has never invited you into their life, to walk through every situation with them. Jesus, by your strength, by your grace today, would that conversation happen? Would that invitation happen? And Lord, would you bring into this church and would you raise up in this church those who've made a decision but are still flapping around the edge, about the edges, who... Uh, are in and out, uh, can't make a decision, uh, confused, have questions, perhaps are here for a bit, duck out for a bit, and it's, life's just busy. That Father, you would put a deep desire in each of us to prioritize your local church. And that Holy Spirit, as we worship in a moment, with our words and our action. That each of us would know you today. We're going to worship. I want to invite you to stand, sit, um, grab communion, whatever works for you. It's that moment of intimacy with the one who made us. And we're going to uh, take up our offering and our tithes as well as we just have this moment of worship. Because that's worship, right? We're saying, God, in this moment, I'm inviting you into my whole life. I'm, in, I'm uh, investing in your local church to see lives changed. I want to encourage this church to be generous today. Generous to the, to the call of God in our lives. To say, we're committing all we are to seeing what you died for be offered to the world. If you're new in church today, please, uh, there's no expectation to partake in this, absolutely none. But for those who call Teesside Vineyard home and want to see us reach more, do more, and step into that place, this is for us.
Yes. So if you're here today, know that Jesus has the, uh, the capacity and the power to break chains, uh, to set you free. And I want to invite people uh, who haven't said yes to Jesus uh, to make that chance, to make that opportunity to say, Lord, I want to invite you into my heart and my life. And uh, come and see us at the end if you want. It's not an us and you thing, but uh, we can walk you through that. And all you can do that now, and it's simply saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe that when I invite you into my heart, that my forever is changed. And I want to live the rest of my life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And the Bible tells us that heaven goes crazy when people make those prayers. And we will too, because we want to see people come to faith and run uh, after Jesus. Uh, Let's lock arms, put an arm on someone around us. As we want to pray, uh, we've been talking about blessings as a church. Let's put an arm around someone next to us. Grab a hand, grab a sweaty palm, whatever it takes. We're all family here. And let's say this over ourselves. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And Lord, as we go from this point, we go knowing that we're united together. That Jesus, you have us, you know us, you've called us, you've redeemed us. And Lord, I pray for those in this uh, church today who need a touch from heaven. That Father, this week, they would feel you all over them. And that Father, you would hem them in. And Father, I pray as well for your blessing, your blessing to flow from us in our houses, in our workplaces, to our families. That this week, God, we would be a blessing to so many as we lock eyes with them. That we would have those moments of uh, the women, the, or the woman caught in adultery. Those moments of meeting people who were caught in si- at circumstances and situations. And that, Father, we'd be able to step in. Step in and speak truth and life into that. And our church pray because we believe. Amen. Amen. Please grab a seat for just a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I said this at the start, but it's really important. In each of the chairs, we've got a connect card. If you haven't filled it in, uh, we've deleted all of your data. We had to. I've got a little bit left, but, but please fill it in. We would uh, love to keep you up to date with all that's going on. In September, we're going to try and do an alpha course for at least 40 of us uh, and our friends and our families and people who don't know us yet. But um, big long tables in here, good food, good conversations. I think some of you in this room today are going to be leading some of those sessions. Come and speak to me. Um, and, and let's just see what God does. And uh, we're kind of toying with the idea of just putting some adverts all over the Tees Valley saying, is there more to life than this? A big question mark. Have you wondered what you were created for? A big question mark. And just seeing if people on the, on the drive home or the drive to work, past Morrison's, suddenly see. And by the way, I've just Googled Morrison's. It looks nothing like that. It's like, this, it's like a wheat flight, and it's nothing like that. And uh, anyway, but I wonder what God's going to do, and Keith's going to share now. I'm never going to live this down. Um, did anybody listen to Radio 4 this morning, because they were singing Oceans on there on Radio 4 morning service, yeah, which is really good. Um, just quick to share, really, um, as, just before Elijah was speaking, I, I was just very struck by... I'd got my Bible open at John chapter 9, which is the bit just after the woman in adultery. And it was this guy who'd been blind from birth. And I just love this story. I hadn't really sort of, it hadn't really grabbed me till I read it. And this guy had been blind from birth, so he didn't know anything else other than being in darkness. And he was kind of given all this advice by 
all these different people who said, well, Jesus can do this, Jesus can do it. And at the end of the day, Jesus came to him and said, look, I can heal you. And just met his need and healed him. And the lovely thing is, the guy afterwards, there was a bit of discussion of who Jesus was. And, and he said, do you know what? He said, I don't really know who he was, but I, want, I know one thing. I was blind and now I can see. And I just believe that God wants to meet people here and meet your needs. And you might have thought for a while, well, I don't really know much about Jesus. I don't really know what he does. I don't, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe he's not interested. Jesus is interested, and Jesus will meet your needs. And at the end of the chapter, the minute that guy's needs was, were, were met and he could see, he actually it talks about how he went and he said, Do you know what, I want to believe. I want to worship this guy. I don't know much about him, but I do want to know more. And it might just be that starting point for you. You've got a need or something this morning that's just, as Joe prayed earlier on, just in the way of something. Just step out and just take that risk because he is faithful and he's not going to let you down. Okay, please go and grab your children and mingle and stay for coffee. If something's been provoked there, let's talk about it. Have a great week.